with up two. Moncada hits it wide left of center. This is for the lead. Moncada. One and out to Tim Anderson. That ball is hit well. Deep left field toward the corner. Tim Anderson sends it out of here. Jimenez drills it. Left center, number one in this ballpark is Gargantuan. And a line drive, left field base hit. That's going to split the gap and go all the way to the wall. Mercado runs. Jimenez, a towering fly ball to center field, and it is up and out of here. Makata throws this ball right field. The only question is which deck. Jimenez in the air, left field. He's your hero tonight. Hey everyone, welcome into another episode of White Sox Unfiltered. I'm your host, Patrick Flowers, and today I'll be flying solo. Spring training has begun. That's right. Pitchers and catchers reported to Camelback Ranch today and had their first official workout. Spring training day one is in the books, and there's some news to discuss. Uh, we're going to go over some highlights from the day at Camelback Ranch. We're also going to talk about uh, Rick Hahn and Rick Renteria's media availability, some minor White Sox injury notes, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the more telling stuff uh, that I took away from today involving White Sox catcher James McCann. But first, let's take care of some housekeeping notes. Um, you can follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter at Sox Unfiltered. And of course, you should follow the ONTAP Sports Network across all social media platforms at the handle at ONTAP Sportsnet. And you could follow me on Twitter at Patrick K. Flowers. Um, I have a ton of tweets up there today from the Rick Hahn and Rick Renteria media availability if you want to check those out. Um, and I'll have stuff like that all spring training and all season long. So go ahead, follow the podcast, follow on Tap Sports Network, and follow me uh, for all your White Sox needs. Let's start with the first newsworthy information that came out of camp this morning, and that's involving... James McCann, but more specifically, how James McCann feels about the Osmani Grandal edition this winter. Um, you know, and I think it was mostly because of all the moves that came after Yasmani Grandal. The ramifications that the move had on James McCann's future with the White Sox um, was largely swept under the rug, but no time was wasted this morning um, in getting James McCann's take on the whole ordeal. Uh, McCann largely handled the question as, about as gracefully as he could, and it's not like I or anybody else should have expected McCann to you know, hit us with a, a scorching hot take. I just don't see that out of James McCann. But um, you know, he said, quote, it is what it is. Um, and he, let's face it, James McCann was an all-star in 2019, and 2019 was a down year aside from some breakout campaigns by some very important players. But for the large part, you know, we, we fell in love with McCann's first half and his all-star appearance. But in the first half of the season, uh, he had a 131 OPS plus, okay? That went along with nine home runs and 30 RBIs. But the second half of the season, despite him collecting 
an identical nine home runs and 30 RBIs, James McCann came back down to earth and performed pretty much to his career numbers. I mean, his OPS plus fell down to 81, and his on-base percentage reduced by nearly 100 points. Um, you know, I haven't heard much, if, if any, trade talk about James McCann at all. And right now, quite frankly, it seems though that the White Sox are content with McCann uh, opening the season as the backup to Yasmani Grandal. You know, to that, McCann simply said, there's things about the business that you can't control. You know, I think McCann is, is well aware of his standing with the team. Um, and he said that, you know, he did get a call from Ricky Renteria this offseason to explain to him where the White Sox saw him moving forward. And he complimented Ricky, you know, as uh, a great communicator. I mean, that was pretty much it. There's a little bit more on McCann uh, and, and what his role is going to look like with the team in 2020 uh, that we found out from the media availability this afternoon with Rick Hahn and Rick Renteria. But we'll circle back to that in a little bit, okay? Let's jump over to Dane Dunning. Uh, Dane Dunning is the White Sox fifth rated prospect according to MLB Pipeline. We all know last year he underwent Tommy John surgery. Um, and so far, according to Dunning, he's thrown five or six bullpens at 100% since arriving at Campbellback Ranch. Um, and according to Dunning, his recovery so far has been phenomenal. He feels phenomenal, but he also knows that he's going to be on an innings limit, and he said it himself. He said, I'm probably going to be limited in innings this year, but honestly, I'm just trying to get back and get back actually in a game. That's my biggest goal, to get back to playing in games first. So Dunning, positive news that he's recovering well, and he feels really good, um, but taper expectations on what Dunning could do for the White Sox, at least at the major league level, at some point in the year because he's going to be on an innings restriction um, and he's going to start, I believe, in Birmingham. So highly unlikely that you see Dane Dunning at the major league level this year. But again, with the additions of Gio Gonzalez, Dallas Keuchel, return of Michael Kopech, and then eventually Carlos Rodon, um, you know, Dunning won't be forced to contribute to the major league club at all this year. He'll be able to continue his rehab and recovery process, you know, at, at whatever pace the team deems necessary for him. All right, so circling back to James McCann, we learned a bit about his role today, both from his comments um, and his admission of it essentially in the morning at camp and then during Rick Hahn and Rick Renteria's media availability, Rick Renteria had a couple comments that were telling uh, as far as McCann's role in 2020 is concerned. Um, you know, Rick Renneria started by saying that having two guys that you can truthfully trust to manage the pitching staff is a huge benefit to the White Sox. Uh, Rick Renneria also... Uh, commented as far as McCann is concerned that they're excited to have depth uh, and that you know all quality teams have depth. Uh, when the when the question was brought up regarding potential designated hitter at bats for James McCann, Renneria all but shot it down and said that you know James, despite getting at bats as a designated hitter spot last year before uh, he became the primary catcher, James isn't a prototypical DH. Um, you know, Renneria said that James will catch his fair share of games and contribute in that regard. So that tells me that the White Sox, at least as of right now, don't plan on using James McCann in the designated hitter role so long as Edwin Encarnacion is healthy. He will be the uh, everyday designated hitter, and I'm sure there will be times in which Jose Abreu uh, gets some time at the designated hitter role, kind of keep him fresh uh, throughout the year as he's into his 
mid-30s now. Uh, Ricky, you know, there was also a question uh, regarding the near-exclusive uh, partnership that James McCann and Lucas Giolito had in 2019 in uh, Renteria, you know, made sure to emphasize just how much Lucas Giolito loves throwing to McCann or loved throwing to McCann last year and how much McCann did for Giolito's progression last year. But then he also went on to say that he's had plenty of conversations uh, with his pitchers thus far about the catchers and the roles that they'll have and said that there's not going to be any set catchers this year. So um, those who thought that maybe McCann would continue to be Giolito's um, primary or exclusive catcher, um, according to Ricky Renteria, that's not going to be the case. So, you know, McCann will be the backup and he'll he'll back up Grandal as Renteria sees fit based on, you know, purely workload management um, and maybe some some lineup construction. But uh, the idea that McCann's guaranteed every fifth day in the lineup because he's Giolito's um, exclusive catcher is was pretty much debunked there by Ricky Renneria today. Um, speaking of lineup construction and kind of moving on from McCann here, Renneria did wrap up his media availability on the day by saying that he envisions the White Sox having a pretty consistent everyday lineup in 2020, which is music to the ears of many White Sox fans. A lot of frustration with Ricky Renteria over the last couple of years uh, was that, you know, the lineup really changed a lot. It was almost like it was in a blender and Renteria just kind of pulled names out and, and went with it for that day. Uh, lacked rhyme or reason often, and people, you know, looked at that as a slight at Ricky Renteria's managerial skills or maybe his lineup construction skills. But, you know, we've highlighted before that when you don't have much to work with, maybe the desire to be creative with what you have um, overwhelms your your natural decision-making and your gut instinct. And now that Rennery and the White Sox have depth around the diamond and essentially um, you know, a replacement level or better player at every position going into this year, um, Renneria confirmed that the team will have a more consistent lineup, which will make a lot of Sox fans happy, uh, including myself. Rick Hahn started the media availability of the day by getting the bad news out of the way. The bad news is that Yasmani Grandal, Lucas Giolito, and Gio Gonzalez are all nursing some minor injuries, according to Rick Hahn. Yasmani Grandal signed, uh, suffered rather a minor left calf strain. Lucas Giolito, uh, as a result of his apparently pretty bad battle with the flu, uh, has a chest muscle strain near his rib area. And then Gio Gonzalez uh, experienced some shoulder discomfort last week when he was doing a medicine ball drill. According to Han, all of the players will miss one to two weeks of Cactus League games while they recover, but all of them should be ready to go by opening day. From the sounds of it, I wouldn't be concerned at all about these injuries. Um Lucas Giolito spoke to the media today, and he has absolutely zero concern over the the muscle strain near the ribs. Um, and Grandal 
despite having the minor left calf strain, was catching sidelines today uh, in the bullpen. And then, uh, you know, Gio Gonzalez didn't personally speak to his sh- reported shoulder discomfort, but Rick Hahn said that the, you know, the discomfort comes from just him ramping up too quickly and, you know, they're just going to kind of slow him down a little bit. And uh, like I said, every all these guys should be ready for opening day. You know, it's it's natural to be reactionary and get scared and have the, oh, here we go again mindset, but I would just pump the brakes a little bit. All three of these injuries seem very minor, and it's and, and it seems as though Han was just erring on the side of transparency and caution by getting that out of the way and in the open immediately before it gets reported from people other than Han and gets blown out of proportion. So kudos to Han for doing that. Transparency is always good, um, especially with a fan base that that lives and dies, you know, with the White Sox like like this one does. Um, Han spoke to the vibe today on day one at spring training, and you know he said it's fun that there's a positive vibe going around the camp, um, and that the team feels confident, the coaching staff feels confident, the players feel confident. Um, you know, James McCann mentioned earlier in the morning that, you know, if he told us that the goal wasn't to win a World Series, that he'd be lying, um, that they, you know, Ricky Renneria had playoff aspirations recently. And basically to, to that, Rick Hahn just said that, you know, it's important that the eye level be raised. You know, whether you're exactly in the position to win or not, raising the eye level comes first. So the message that's being driven home from the front office down into the clubhouse is this is the year to win um you know set your set your eye level higher whether you're act whether they're actually there or not whether they compete for the division or not this year the idea throughout the clubhouse in the dugout should be to raise the bar and that it's time to win now uh, so i mean if the fans we've heard division champs We've heard wild card, you know, we've we've heard a bunch of things. And it's it's and Han said, you know, it's it's good for the fans to be excited. He said that the fans deserve it and that they, you know, essentially took their medicine for the last three years, uh, while the White Sox went through the rebuild. But, you know, if the people wanna be fired up about what's coming, Han said that that's awesome. In addition to getting a preview of what James McCann's 2020 role will be this season early on in camp, we also got some clarification from Rick Hahn on what right field will look like in 2020. Um, he said that Nomar Mazar is going to get the bulk of the starts this season to be the everyday right fielder to begin the year, and that he's going to get his opportunity. Uh, he also did mention that there would be days where lineup construction and, and matchups would warrant Leary Garcia getting some run in right field. Uh, primarily against left-handed pitching, but he also did stress that Mazzara is going to get an opportunity to hit left-handed pitching and prove that he can be a complete everyday ball player under you know the guidance of Frank Menachino, the new White Sox hitting coach. Towards the end of Han's media availability, he said probably the most interesting thing um, that came out of camp today, and it really wasn't camp-related. Um when asked about contract extensions in-house, Hans said, quote, this tends to be the most productive time of the year in terms of getting extensions done, close quote. He also said, quote, in terms of whether any of those will materialize, 
we'll see, close quote. Ironic that Han said what he said, considering just yesterday we find out that Yohan Mankata um, changed representatives. And, you know, we know Yohan Mankata has just a few years of control left um, before he's eligible to hit the open market. He changed his agent, and then, you know, Han alluded to this being the best time of the year for contracts and extensions, that this could be completely and entirely a coincidence, and we won't know until we know. Um, the White Sox uh, will, of course, try to keep any and all relevant information regarding extension talks between the two sides in-house as they love to break their own news and control the narrative. But I think that extending Yohan Mankata is the next big thing that the White Sox need to accomplish because for my money, Yohan Mankata right now as of today is the best hitter on the White Sox and he might, aside from Luis Robert, have the highest ceiling on the White Sox. He also has the least amount of control left of the of the young core. So, you know, extending Mankata would be huge for the long-term outlook of this window of contention. We've heard Han beat the drum tirelessly to the tune that the White Sox are trying to build something sustainable over the long term and not something for this year, just this year or, or next year, that, you know, they want this to be um, a decade of, of success, you know, at least a half decade. So they want to, you know, getting Moncada Mon- extended and locked up would be the next logical uh, move for the White Sox. So hopefully you can take away from the comments today what you will, but hopefully at the very minimum, they indicate that there is at least contract extensions being discussed between the White Sox and Moncada's new representatives. Ronaldo Lopez also spoke to the media today. Um, Everybody knows that Lopez had a pretty rough run of it in 2019. After coming into 2019 as being probably thought of as a better pitcher than Lucas Giolito uh, but he had a rough run of it highly inconsistent struggled with walks struggled with command of the zone struggled with getting hit hard uh, when he fell behind in counts and Lopez spoke today a little bit and he spoke to the work he said he's been physically working all win- you know winter long he said that he spent time at Mamba Academy in Los Angeles the academy built by the late Kobe Bryant, uh, and that he was working with other pitchers there uh, to pump up the spin rate on his fastball and try to make it more effective. But aside from that, he really talked about uh, changing the mental part of his game and stressing the importance on figuring out upstairs. Uh, You know, Lopez said, quote, everyone knows this game is more mental than physical. I used to work on my body more than my mindset. But then I changed that. I've been working more on my mind with a few people, close quote. So it's been a priority of Lopez this year to rebound. Um, He's been doing the physical work, working on getting his spin rate up on his fastball. And then he's also put a a, a big importance on the mental side of the game, 
Ricky Renteria spoke to that a little bit during his media availability this afternoon. He said that it's hugely important and that he believes the difference between uh, the talent that's able to perform and execute on the field comes from between the ears. Um, he said that the process that Lopez is going through right now is just part of the natural maturation process at the major league level that you know players who want to achieve longevity in this field naturally need to attain. One last important takeaway from today's media availability, in my opinion, was Rick Hahn speaking to Michael Kopech uh, in his recovery and his workload for this spring. He said, quote, he's out there today just like anyone else without restrictions. The rehabilitation side of this is over. However, don't get too excited. Uh, Hunt did stress that the club are still going to be cautious with how they ramp him up and prepare him for the season. And while I think that Hans' comments today leaves the window slightly cracked that Michael Kopech might potentially start the 2020 season on the uh, opening day roster, I still believe that he's going to end up starting the season with either an extended spring training and or some combination of a trip to Charlotte for some rehab starts uh, before he ends up joining the team. And speaking of players cracking the opening day roster or not really favored to crack the opening day roster despite their talent, Nick Madrigal, uh, speaking in the media this morning, essentially said, you know, he's a game ready for um, competition. He said that, uh, quote, great teams have competition from position to position, and that's what drives the best teams, close quote. And, you know, over the last couple weeks, Nick Madrigal's had more and more um, media availability, and I feel like the common message from Madrigal all along has been that he's ready to go right now, and he wants to be the White Sox starting second baseman out of spring training. And while I I, I don't really have much confidence that that's going to happen um, because the White Sox say that they have more things that they want him to work on, um, but at the end of the day, I think it comes time comes down to them manipulating the service time by keeping him in AAA for a few weeks to start the season before they bring him up, um, and that's that's just what I gather from, you know, the public comments that have been made from Rakan and Renteria and, and Madrigal himself. I really, really love that Madrigal isn't taking that for an answer or as as the end all right now, and that he seems geared to try to make a push for the opening day roster this spring. He seems extremely confident, and hopefully if he can parlay that uh, onto the field during the Cactus League games this spring, hopefully he can he can force the issue, right? I mean, we've heard from Rick Hahn time and time again when it comes to prospects coming up uh, to the White Sox from, from Charlotte that, you know, they've got to they've force the issue to make them speed up their timeline. And I think if everybody's going into the season healthy and the expectation throughout the clubhouse um, and, and on upward is that it's time to raise the sights on the competitiveness and the, the aspirations for the White Sox this year. I think that if Madrigal proves on the field that he's worthy of starting the season on the opening day roster uh, at second base, then I would hope that Rick Hahn would make true on his comments that he's made publicly and um, start him on the opening day roster because that's what would be best for the team and that's what would go best with 
you know, raising the eye and, and raising the bar and keeping that, you know, it's time to win now mentality throughout the clubhouse. It's, it's kind of hard. It would be kind of hard for the White Sox to sit here and preach to us all spring that they're, they're all in and that they're ready to, they're ready to raise the bar and they're ready to win. Um, and, and then have Nick Madrigal perform well enough on the field this spring to open the season with the team and then still send him down to AAA. That would kind of be, you know, would be very contradictory of the comments that have been made by them publicly so far. So, you know, like Kopech, I think that the window's open. I wouldn't bank on it, but I'm excited to see how it plays out this spring for Madrigal. Well, that's it for day one of spring training for the White Sox. Again, pitchers and catchers will be there for the next uh, about half a week, or a little over half a week, uh, until next Monday when position players report for their first full workout. And then next weekend, the White Sox will begin Cactus League play. Um, over the course of spring training, I'll be doing a few things to try to provide you guys uh, with as much coverage as possible. Um, I will be writing a spring training notebook over at the ONTAP Sports Network, which will kind of highlight um, the main stories or news pieces of the day, along with uh, two, two things at the end, um, you know, where I'll kind of round up the best pictures and videos of the day and then trying to round up the best quotes of the day just to kind of give you guys a, a complete, you know, highlight package of, of the day that was at, uh, at Camelback Ranch. Uh, that should drop every uh, late afternoon at the latest, the evening. And um, I will continue to produce more frequent and shorter uh, podcast episodes such as this one when warranted so that we can discuss the things that are going on. I'll try to snag a relevant guest for every one of them, but because of um, time constraints with recording and availability issues, um, sometimes that's not possible. But uh, in those events, I'll just continue to fly solo and deliver you the news with a dash of analysis and opinion as best I can. Uh, before we get out of here, I just want to take another moment to remind you guys to follow the podcast on social media, on Facebook and Twitter at the handle at Socks Unfiltered, to follow the ONTAP Sports Network across all social media platforms at the handle at ONTAP Sportsnet, and to give me a follow on my personal Twitter for um, White Sox spring training coverage all spring long at the handle at Patrick K. Flowers. Um, baseball's back. I'm excited. I hope you are as excited. Until next time, Jason, Bill, take it away. Three and two. This could be the final pitch of the ball game, Bill. Really? What are we going to do then? We will say goodbye after we talk to James McCann. Can't say goodbye. It's early. I agree. And America agrees. Oh, that's a strike. He's out of there. The game is over. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you, Chicago.